0: Good morning, everyone. Such a delight to see all of you here this morning. And those of you who are online with us, we're glad that you're here with us as well. If you're visiting with us this morning, we want you to know that we're so very happy that you have come our way. We're excited that you're a part of our our worship time together. I don't know about you, but uh, these last month or so when we've been all together as we have been, it's been so great to listen to the the noise and the excitement of being able to be together with one another, to share our lives with one another, to fellowship with each other. It's just been absolutely incredible, and I just loved it so much. This week, you know, I talked to you some about the good news and introduced a new theory, a series that we're going to be going through about the gospel. But in the gospel, we talked about, you know, you know taking a break from bad news and someone said to me, not once, but several times this week, they've either texted me or they said to me this morning, you know, you couldn't have picked a worse week to tell us not to watch the news. And to some degree, I guess that's, that's true, especially with this Russian invasion of the Ukraine. That absolutely is, inter- is terrible. And, and, and I took a break from the news. I took a break from the news Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and all of Wednesday. And then someone sent me a text and said, hey, Russia just invaded the Ukraine. And so I got sucked into it, you know, and so... You know, I took a look at that, that news, and I have to tell you that my stress and my anxiety levels went way up. And at the end of the day, with what news was coming in, there was so little of it other than the fact that there was an invasion going on there that, that you know, I was reading it, getting, not getting a whole lot of, out of, of it in terms of specifics, but Man, it was just so it was just so disheartening and so discouraging. And it caused me to worry about Brandon and Katie and and Justin Price and our brothers and sisters that are over there in the Ukraine. And and so it was just bad news. And at the end of the day, when I was done watching it, I, there wasn't a thing I could do about any of it other than do a lot of praying about. It. And I've been doing that. But the reason why I, I challenge you to take a, a, a break from the news is because it, there is so much of it. We're just pummeled with all the news that comes at us and the vast, vast majority of it is so negative in, in nature that it can't help but just kind of bring down our spirits to a degree. And so I, I challenge you to do that simply because I want you to have the opportunity to just to kind of refocus on all the really good news that is really out there, that especially when you talk about the good news of the kingdom and what Jesus Christ has done for us, there's so much good news that is there, but we get so blinded and we get so filled up with all the bad news that is coming at us that sometimes we don't see all the great, wonderful blessings that we have. And so last week we talked about the, the kingdom of God, and we talked about Mark, the fourth chapter, verses 23 and 24, where Jesus came, and said, to the area of, of Galilee, and he was proclaiming Claiming the good news or the gospel of the kingdom. That was incredible that he was coming and that he was, was doing that. He was sharing with us great news. The word that the writers chose to use whenever they talked about the good news or the gospel was this Greek word, yongelion. And it's a word that actually literally means glad tidings. And so when you talk about Jesus Christ, everything that surrounds the life of Jesus Christ really is is good news and it connects to us to him in some incredible kinds of ways When you talk about the gospel obviously center to the gospel is jesus christ and center to that is his death his burial and his resurrection but within that that part there is like the hub of a spoke you have the all the various spokes that go out to the will of it that tells you that whenever you read the word gospel in the scriptures it's telling you some good news is coming your way and it comes in various kinds of forms i thought Zach has been doing an incredible job as he's talked about the parables because many of the parables that Jesus spoke about really were called kingdom parables. He is talking about a shift in our lives. He's talking about how there's going to come a change in our lives that has to do with this kingdom that we are a part of. And if we're Christians, that's what we are. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. And there was a huge shift that went on within this kingdom that we are a part of that's different from any other kingdoms physically speaking and of the world in which we live. And so Jesus came and his message was charged. It was it was socially charged. It was economically charged. It was politically charged in so many ways. Socially it was charged in that. You know, if we are citizens of the kingdom, we are to be one with one another, regardless of the color of our skin or regardless of our social status, whether we are rich or poor or somewhere in between. That it was economically charged that as citizens of the kingdom, we are to treat one another as neighbors, that we're to love each other as our neighbors, and that we are to practice the golden rule that we are to do unto others as we would have them do unto us, and that we were to uh, care for one another deeply. And there was the political charge that we are citizens of the kingdom, and though we might be citizens of a country in our case, citizens of the United States, then that's a wonderful thing. But that which trumps all of that in real kinds of ways is that we are first and foremost citizens of the kingdom because our names are enrolled in heaven as citizens and our allegiance to should be to Jesus Christ, that he is first and foremost when it comes down to the loyalties that we have in our our lives. This morning, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk to you some more about the good news of the kingdom. And I wanna share with you the benefits of the kingdom. Sometimes because of all the bad news that surrounds us, we forget to see the good news that is a part of the kingdom and the the gospel benefits that are there for us. But before we get into our text, which is gonna be over in Psalm 103, if you wanna open your Bibles to that section of scripture, the benefits are so important in that section of Scripture. Now, when you think about benefits, let me just talk to you about the importance of benefits in our lives or benefit packages. For instance, if we have this desire to go and seek out a certain kind of job or, or career, then we're going to be thinking about certain things. Looking at the job, we're going to look at, you know, is this job something that really fits my skill set? Or am I going to be able to get satisfaction from this job? Is this a job that I really want that I can enjoy uh, doing? And then I began to ask in my mind some important things like, okay, well, what's the pay going to be like? And what's the job conditions going to be like? And are there any benefits that come along with this? And that word benefit, when you think of benefits, then automatically we probably think about benefits such as, well, are there any vacation days involved in it? Is there any kind of retirement that's involved in it? Is there, you know, insurance, that seems to be a pretty important one. Is there any, some kind of health insurance that comes along with the benefit? And of course, the, the biggest benefit of all, I guess, would be, am I going to receive a paycheck? Am I going to re- be remunerated for the services or the work that I, I do in this job? Think of it this way. I was reading a, a short story about uh, an interview that was going on between a young accountant who has just graduated out of university and now he is applying for a job and the HR, the human resource person, is interviewing him. They've come, you know, they went through the interview. Now they've reached the end of the interview and the interview says to the young accountant, says to him, uh, so uh, what do you think that your starting pay looks like? Your starting salary, what does it look like to you? And he says, well, I think it should be somewhere in the neighborhood of 125000 depending on the benefits. And so the interview says, well, okay, well, how's this sound to you? How about, how about five weeks of paid vacation? And along with that, we'll give you, you know, full dental and medical insurance. We'll give you access to 401Ks and various job opportunities or investment opportunities like stocks that we may have that you can share in. And we will promise you at least half of your salary uh, at the end of your career, uh, 50% of it. Uh, Not only that, but you know, how does this sound? We also would want to lease for you a brand new car every two years. How does a five series BMW sound to you? This young accountant, man, he sits right up. And he's excited, and he says, wow, are you kidding? And she says, well, yes, but you started it. <laughs> <laughs> the benefits. When we talk about the benefits of the kingdom, I, just, I, I can tell you 100% fact that there is no benefit on the face of this planet that any employer or company can offer you that, that cannot be trumped A thousand times over if not more so when you talk about the benefits of the kingdom that is being offered to us that god is wanting to give to us and so this morning i want to talk to you about what some of those benefits are these are benefits that you can't put a price tag on okay these benefits are something that is really real listen to what david who writes this psalm says now as we read through psalm 103 we're just gonna look at verses one through five then some of the rest of it later but as you think about these benefits understand that that david in his mind he's thinking of the goodness of god okay and when you think about the goodness of god there are benefits that are associated with that goodness now understand something here i know that you know i'm talking about the gospel and generally when we think about the gospel our good news or glad tidings, we always associate it with the new testament right but i want you to know that in the old testament there was some good news there too there were some glad tidings that were there too. And those glad tidings bleed over from the Old Testament into the New Testament. And so, there, even though we're going to be looking at some of the benefits that David has mentioned here in this psalm, these psalms can find its comparisons or its equal over in the New Testament. And so, I'll show you some of those, how they make those comparisons and good analogies, okay? So, let's look at Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons or forgives our sins, who heals all our diseases, who redeems your life from judgment, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle? In this section of scripture, you know, David lays out before us a number of of benefits. When I look down through it, I could probably count at least four benefits, maybe five benefits that are, are, are found within it. But notice how he begins the psalm. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. I will bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. So my thought was, is when I saw these words, forget none of his benefits, which are many, why do you suppose David felt it necessary to tell us not to forget the benefits? Don't forget what God has done for you. And I think there's a really simple answer to that. And that is, as humans, we tend to forget about all the wonderful blessings that God has placed or poured upon us. I mean we just forget about those things. We get caught up in the bad news. We get caught up in all the things that are going on in our lives. Socially, politically, economically, we get caught up in all those things that are going on and we forget all the benefits. We forget all the blessings. We're like fish. How can we be like fish? Well, those who study fishology, they will say to you that a fish has a memory of 6 seconds. That's how I feel sometimes, but he has a, They have a memory of six seconds, which means you know, there will be a little school of fish that are hovering around your bait, and one of them is so tempted that it takes the bait and it gets snagged out, jerked away from all its buddies. His buddies kind of scatter around, and then they circle right, right back around and come to where that bait was, and they, and you know, that your buddies drug out of the out of the lake or out of the river. But those fish, they have such short memories that when the hook is put back out there, they hit it again. And if you've ever been in a fishing hole where there is a school of fish like that, you find that you just catch one after another. Why is that? Because they have just short memories. Well, that's how we are. I mean, we may not have six-second memories, but we have memories that sometimes are pretty short. So David says to us, don't forget God's benefits don't forget the blessings that God has showered or poured up on you God knows that and that's why 61 times in the scriptures the Bible talks about forgetting things and so it's important that David said Don't forget the benefits. And so what is this benefit package? that David is promising to those who are followers of God what is it that comes our way? Well, David has laid those out for us, and so here's the very first one. There's the gospel benefit of life insurance. Can I say something to you? I was working on this sermon last week. I was putting it all together together. I was like almost done with the thing. I was going to go from Romans the fifth chapter, verses one through five, and I had a discussion with Larry Johnson. And Larry Johnson, I said, I'm going to talk about you know the benefits of the king. He goes, man, you could use life insurance, you could use fire insurance, you could. Thought, oh no! Now I got to do this sermon all over again. But I'd already worked quite a bit on one uh, Psalm 103, so I just tried, I'm kind of using some of what Larry shared because I thought, it would. man, this is really good. I think I can figure out how to do this. So the first benefit is life insurance. you got to stay with me for a second. Psalm 103 and verse 1, he says, forget none of his benefits or the fact that he forgives us of our sins. Some of your translations pardons us of our iniquities. Same thing, it's just a, a synonym of what sin really is about. It has to do with lawlessness. But he says he forgives us, Of all our sins but that's a hard sell today in our culture it seems that that is a lost thing because of our attitudes because our attitudes today in the 21st century is something like this is that you know we look at ourselves and we think to ourselves that we're not all that bad of people I'm not all that bad of a guy I'm not all that bad of a a woman I'm pretty morally upright ethically. I'm, I'm pretty well in there. I read God's Word. I go to church I do all those things and so as a result of that, you know, when we talk about forgiveness It's a little bit of a hard sell because of the attitudes that we we have within ourselves where we don't think that we're all that bad But the Bible says that man's condition is a whole lot different than the way we perceive it Romans 3 and verse 9 says there are none righteous no, not one. And then he goes down and he talks about some things that describe the heart of human beings. And it's pretty depressing. In fact, if you were to read down through it, you might even be a little bit offended that he would say that you guys are like open tombs. You're like bloody graves and that kind of a thing. It's not really the best news you've ever heard there. There are non-righteous. No, not one in verse 23 all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God has a standard God has that which he expects of us and he says and all of us Without exclusion fall short of what God expects of us and that is called sin And not only that but Paul describes it in Ephesians 2 and verse 1 as death You were dead in your transgressions and sins. That's what you once were before you found out about the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ Not only that, when you get over to Romans, the fifth chapter, verses eight through nine, there's even more bad news that comes down the line. Listen to what Paul says. Says to the romans as he talks about our condition. if you were to go from verses one at five down through about verse seven He says that we were ungodly that we were helpless and that we were sinners and then in verse eight He says but god demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners christ died for us Much more than having now been justified by his blood We shall be saved from the wrath of god through him So what he's saying is man's condition, even though you might think that you are pretty morally a good person and that you do a lot of really good things, he's saying that outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are spiritually dead. Not only that, you're the enemies of God and you fall under his righteous wrath. But because of what Jesus Christ has done, You have good news. And the good news is this, is that when you, uh, as a person, comes to the Father through faith in his Son, everything is forgiven. That's what he says there. Who pardons all our sins, not just our weaknesses or our failures. He's talking about the gross sins. He's talking about these enormous sins. He's talking about these crimson red sins that we commit that are extremely offensive to God. We have a hard time understanding that. And the reason is, is because we're so immersed in sin. You know, it comes at us from all directions that we have become pretty desensitized to what sin is. Unless it's something extremely violent or something absolutely terrible, we're desensitized. But God is not like that. God's nature is that of holiness. And sin gets all over him. And the result of it, he says, is God's wrath wants to break out on you. And that's a place that you want to be when it comes down to what God is capable of. And yet God's forgiveness is there. Forgiveness of our sins of omission. Those are sins that you do without even thinking about. I mean, it's, it's, it's going 75 in a 65 speed zone where you break the laws of the land. You don't think anything about it. You're just moving along. I'm talking about even sins that maybe you don't even know there are sins. Sins of omission. And then there are sins of commission. Those are sins that you know are wrong. And yet you consciously decide, you know what? I know it's wrong. I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And you do. And you sin because of it. The Bible says, because of our relationship that we have with God... Those sins are forgiven. In fact, if you're a Christian, all those sins have been washed away by the precious blood of Jesus when we are obedient to the gospel. Matthew, the 26th chapter, and verse 28 says that as Jesus was instituting the Lord's Supper that we just took up a little bit ago and you took out that little bitty cup of grape juice that represents the blood of Christ, Jesus said, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. And so we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And that's why Peter on the day of Pentecost when the people said, we know we're sinners, what shall we do? Peter says, repent repent of your sins repent of what's going on in your lives and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the holy spirit paul the apostle he was aware of that as an individual and ananias said to him in acts 22 and verse 16 he says to paul what are you waiting for i've told you some things what are you waiting for Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on the name of the Lord. So we come into a relationship with God and that becomes hugely great news. When we receive the benefit of forgiveness, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Our citizenship is placed in heaven and that's good news. I love John 10 and verse 10. I probably use it too much, but I love the verse Because Jesus says these words as he's talking about being the door to the sheep and being a good shepherd. He says, thieves come to steal, to kill, and destroy. I came that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly, not only in this age, but in that which is to come. The abundant life now. He promises the benefit package is ours now. We can enjoy it now. But not only that, There is eternal life in front of us that is promised to us. And that's why it's life insurance. That's why it's life insurance. It's it's good news. Not only life insurance now that we can live the abundant life, but life insurance as we look towards eternity when our raptured souls are brought into heaven. That's the good news that we're talking about. And guess what? This life insurance is free. You don't have to pay a penny for the life insurance because it has already been purchased for you by the blood of Jesus. As long as I can remember, I've had life insurance. I wanted to make sure that if I was to Biff, that Lori would have some money to take care of her, to sustain her. I've bought life insurance since I was a, a young, young man. A young man. I've sit, I'm have i afraid to even think of how many thousands I've spent on life insurance, thinking I was going to croaked before now. A lot of money has been paid into that for that life insurance that Lori hasn't even collected on yet. This life insurance is free to you, free for the taking because it has already been purchased for you. Gospel benefit number two is health insurance. Look what he says, Psalm 103 and verse 3, God also heals all our diseases. That's what he says. Now, as you think about that, I don't want you to misunderstand what's going on here, okay? I don't want you to, to think by, as you look at this passage here, that it's saying that God heals 100% of all diseases, all viruses, all maladies that might come your way. That's not what he's saying. I mean, it, it looks that way when you first uh, look at it. And, and the reason is because, the reason why you have to be aware of it is because You know, there are those who will say, well, listen, if you pray a prayer of faith and if you pray hard enough and if you send enough positive thoughts in the direction of the throne, God is going to heal you of any disease or malady that you may have or any loved one that you that he's going to take care of that. And that's to some degree true. David has that sum to his mind. God, David knows that God is capable of healing the body of disease according to his will or according to his omniscient will. That is, he sees the big picture. James, the fifth chapter, verse 14 says, Is any among you sick? Let them call for the elders. They'll come to you, anoint your head with oil, and pray over you. And that prayer of faith will heal you of your sickness. And if there is any sin that has been committed, it will be forgiven you so you look at that passage of your scripture and says man that's a slam dunk if i have faith then i know that everything is going to be well but we know that that is not always true god is capable of of healing us of all diseases but we know that it doesn't always happen that way don't we Uh, we know people that we love and care about even within our own maybe just our personal self where we have offered God prayers to God and them not be answered in the affirmative or the way I wanted it. I prayed for someone who was sick, and that person didn't get well. But then I prayed for others, and they have got well, and they have got better. Better. So what's going on here? Why is it, why is it, why is it like that? And my answer to you is, is I don't know. I don't know i'm I'm not god what i do believe is i believe in god's omniscient will what that means that word omniscient means all-knowing god sees the big picture i don't see the big picture god sees the big picture so in part what david is saying here is that god is fully capable of healing us of all our diseases but he also may be talking about something that is much deeper than our than that of our physical bodies he may be have in view here the ideal of the disease of the soul that so weighs us down. And there's a lot of sin that does that very thing. In fact, isn't that God's main concern? Not so much how you're doing on the outside of your physical body, but what's going on in the inside of your, your soul. And the reason why I know that, because Psalm 103, verses 14 and 16 says, God understands our frame. He knows that we are but dust. He knows that we're like the grass that comes up and it does well, but then it withers away with the sun. He knows how temporal we are. We don't, and the reason is because this is the only life we know about. I don't know about 67 years of life. I don't know about 100 years of life. I don't know about 110 years of life. I know about this life. This is what I know, and it's what you know where you are experientially in your life now, but God sees a big picture way beyond years. Or months or days, he sees the big picture of life, and so I don't think God is so concerned about some of the physical things that we get concerned about. And so, <clears throat> it's the disease of the heart that I think He's talking about of a soul that can be healed. Look at Psalm fifty-one. It's a great Psalm. This Psalm is a Psalm of, 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 of David. This is, this is after David had sinned with Bathsheba. And he's broken. He's been confronted by Nathan. He knows that he's the one that has committed this sin. Well, in Psalm 51, this is called a penitent Psalm that written by David. Listen to what it says in verse one through four. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. Put yourself in his place. You are guilt-ridden, shame-ridden, okay? Guilty-ridden. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Look at verse seven. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear the joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my ignorance. Iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. This is a man that's absolutely broken on the inside, and he pleads for God for restoration. For forgiveness. And God does it. He willingly does it. And it's the same thing that's said for us in the New Testament. For those of us who are in this kingdom, John 1, 1 John 1 and verse 7 says that, you know, that we will know the fellowship of God and that the blood of his son Jesus cleanses us of all our sins continually. He's washing us of our sins. That is such good news. That's health insurance. And it's free. Here's a third benefit. Fire insurance. Notice what he says. He forgives us of all of our sins, heals us of all our iniquities. And then in verse four, he says, who redeems us from judgment. I think some of your translation says, who redeems us from the pit. Listen, when you go to grave, guess where you're going? You're going to judgment. That's where you're on your way to, okay? So he redeems us from judgment. The weight of judgment is, is super debilitating. It's everlasting destruction that he's talking about. Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. And I want you to see a section of scripture there that talks about the the great judgment that is coming beginning in verse 12 and going down through verse 15 let's start with verse 11 then I saw the great I say I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose presence of earth and heaven fled away and no place was found for them there's always the height I saw the dead the great and the small standing before the throne and the books were open And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things that were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That's scary i mean that's scary i remember when i was thinking about becoming a christian after i became a new christian i hated reading stuff like that i stayed away from revelation because it scared me but why should i be scared if i'm a a christian if i'm a christian it says that we've been bought with a price by the blood of jesus and he says our names are written in the lamb's book of life our citizenship is in heaven So the good news is, is I don't have to worry uh, about that. That God delivers those who are penitent of their sins for both the fear of the grave, as well as the fear of hell itself. Fire insurance. If you own a house, you own fire insurance. When I'm on the golf course, sometimes people ask me, what do you do for a living? I said, I sell fire insurance. Then he says, really? And I said, yeah. What does that consist of? It consists of me come preaching the gospel to people, the good news to people. And then I get into it in a discussion, and then they go, I, I don't want to talk about that. But, but anyway, I don't have any fear of that because I have fire insurance, and so do you. That's one of the benefits. We have life insurance. We have health insurance. We have fire insurance, and then we have God's wellness plan. Look at verses 4 and 5. It's really it's really pretty good news. Verses 4 and 5. Who redeems us from the life, from judgment, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies yours with good things so that your youth is like an, an eagle's, the weight of life's burden. Now, I want you to know the devil would like to destroy you. That's his, that's his goal, is to destroy you. He'll use the shame of your sin. He'll tempt you to sin, and then when you do sin, he makes you feel shameful and guilty for doing it. There are maladies like COVID, there's cancer, there's depression, there's anger. there's fear. He uses all that stuff to try to remove all the peace and all the good news out of our lives. But look at what John 10 and verse 10 says again. A thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief that he's talking about, there's got to be talking about Satan. And those who align themselves with him that would like to take the, our peace away from us and the abundant life away from us. And yet what David says, he says, he crowns us with love and compassion. Back in 1988, back in 1988, a a, a fellow by the, Bob McPherson, he wrote a song. I need to wet my whistle for this. Remember that? Do you remember, back in 1988, that's where you guys were born. But have you guys heard that song? Don't worry, here's a little song I wrote. You might sing it note for note. Don't worry, be happy. In life you have some troubles. Don't worry, you'll make it double. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy now. I listened to that song a bunch last night. And then I got this morning and I listened to it some more because it's the silliest song you've ever heard. But by the time you're done, you got a smile on your face. Don't worry. So where did he get that from? I don't know, you know, if McPherson's is a Christian or not, but I know what the Bible says. I know in Philippians 4, and verse 6, that Paul says, Don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. Be happy. How do I know he's saying be happy? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. Let your forebearing spirit be made known unto all men. The Lord is near. Don't worry. Be happy. And that's what. Psalm 103, verses 13 through 17 says. I mean, it's, I mean, it's really some really good stuff there. Listen to what he says here. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass, a flower that filled it flourishes. When the wind passes over, it; it is no more, and its place acknowledges no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear him and his righteousness to his children's children. And of course, Jesus says, what are you anxious about your life? Seek first the kingdom of God and God will take care of those things. God cares for you. He satisfies your life with good things and he strengthens you. When you least think it's going to happen, it happens for you for you here's the last one this is not in Psalm 103 but the gospel benefit talks about God's retirement plan when I said that to someone here the other day when I was talking about that and he says man and not only is it a great retirement plan but it's one that's out of this world so John 14 verses 1 through 3 Jesus says don't be afraid you believe in God believe also in me and my father's house are many dwelling places If it were not so, I would have told you so, but I go away to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you might be also. We have a great retirement plan that is before us. So there are gospel benefits. So what I've done is I've kind of given you a laundry list, if you will, of benefits. There's a lot more than those, but these are ones for you to think about. You have life insurance, health insurance, fire insurance, wellness insurance. You have a great retirement plan that's out of this world. You say, are all those benefits mine? Yep. They're all, year, all yours, but let me share, share something with you that you need to think about, okay? And let me do it with a hypothetical story. Say you and I are out of work, okay? We're out of work, and we hear that Micron is, uh, is hiring, and they are, the, the position they're hiring for are super well-paying jobs. So you and I, we decided to go down to Micron and we walk into the lobby there and an HR person meets us there and they set us down in the lobby and, and they give us an application and they give us an employee handbook and a job description. And they say to us, look these things over here, listen, don't worry, we'll hire you. We're running so short on manpower that we need bodies and so you're gonna get hired. Alright? So here's the things. And so you sit down and you fill out the, the job application. You read the employee handbook. You look at the job description. And you are super excited because you know the job is coming. And then the HR person shows up. They do a little bit of interview with us. They tell us, you know, to kind of explain what the job is going to be like. And then they offer us the job. Because they said they're going to. They offer us the job. Now, you're smarter than I am. As soon as they offer the job, you say yes. And I say, "Well, do I have to give you an answer right now?" And the person says, "Well, no, you don't." But then guess what he says? Well, okay. When do the benefit? Or I say to him, "Okay, well, so when do the benefits start?" You know what the guy says? They start when you become a part of the company. That's when they start. Newsflash. When it comes to the benefits of the kingdom, God's benefits are only available to those who obey the gospel. you got to be in the company, which means you have to be in the family of God. Your names have got to be enrolled in heaven. Your citizenship has got to be there. You have to be a part of the kingdom. So how do I do this, Richard? You repent of your sins. I don't care how good you are. You have sinned, repent of your sins. And you're to be baptized into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And when that happens, you're added to the church. You're enrolled in heaven. Your names are put in the book of life. You're citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And all the benefits, life insurance, health insurance, fire insurance, wellness insurance, and a great retirement plan. But you've got to be in the kingdom. You've got to answer the call of the good news. Because it's not good news unless you accept that news. And so I'd invite you this morning, if you haven't already done so, I'd invite you to come into the kingdom, to answer the call of the, gospel of the good news and accept all the benefits that come along with it okay and you do that right now while together we stand and while we sing